0: Easter. Four days of outdoor adventures, work in the garage or doing stuff around the home or even in the garden. You gotta love that. Bring on the jobs and pile them up. 101 long weekend jobs ready to tackle. You could be in the outdoors, putting your four-wheel drive to the test, tearing down an internal war or maybe putting a new one up, or even repurposing an old wine barrel for an outdoor table. Whatever the task over Easter, Trojan Tools are up for the job. Trojan Tools. Quality tools at DIY prices, backed by a lifetime warranty. Available in-store or online at Bunnings Warehouse. Trojan. Tools built tough. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp Therapy Online. Life is full of ups and downs. i found over the last few years talking to someone, especially a psychologist, has been a really helpful tool for me to make sense of my thoughts. I try to keep it a consistent part of my life because I love being proactive with my mental health. BetterHelp is the largest online therapy provider in the world. BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. If you're busy like everyone else these days, the good news is it's entirely online. BetterHelp is designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Our listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash dill. That's betterhelp.com slash dill. B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash dill, D-Y-L. G'day guys, welcome back to this week's episode of Dylan Friends. This week on the show, absolute legend, incredible person, and great, great, great football at the Melbourne Footy Club. Club legend, Nathan Jones. Uh, Cannot wait for this chat. Can't wait for you to hear this chat. Um, Yeah, it was unbelievable, just unpacking his whole career. Obviously, playing with the Ds through a really, really tough period, but... You know what he went through there, and how he dealt with, uh, you know, that that losing culture per se, and how he's able to turn it around, and not just you know the effect that the footy side of um, himself had on his life, but then growing as a person outside of that as well, has been you know really really interesting in this chat. It was it was really eye um, opening to be honest, and didn't really uh, understand I suppose all the things that he had been through off the field, as well as um, you know being the club captain of a club that wasn't going so well. It was crazy to sit back and sort of have a chat about Melbourne and, and thinking about where they are now and all these, you know, incredible players they've got and the club's so successful and obviously a powerhouse of the competition. But going back, you know, to that time when when Jonesy was sort of in his prime and captain of the club, how in a really bad way is like how much they really struggled and how bad they actually were and we spoke about a lot, you know, what they went through and and how many coaches that he went through at the club and even, you know, the tanking saga that um riddled the club as well but yeah it was it was super super interesting talking about that but what i was super you know amazed by was what he'd sort of gone through this transition of his own life off field and how he had become the best version of himself and he spoke about the impact of even towards his end of his career and the transition of not you know playing in the seniors anymore and supporting the younger group and how much he still wanted to play the effect on the grand final and missing out on it and, and what he's been up to in the last sort of six months as well which has been unreal honestly one of my favorite chats that i've had in a long time so I, it was something that i really needed to hear myself um the messages have been have been really really cool so hope you enjoy this chat i know you will let's go hi fam it's dylan's mum,
1: deborah this is Dylan Friends. I was like, are you going to embarrass yourself? And I was like, bro, do you want me to do all seven verses? Bit arrogant, didn't know all <laughs> seven.
2: I've been in a bad team for 10 years, and we got a chance to do something pretty special this year. All you can do is put your hand up and say you're wrong. Banter is a way that guys connect, a way that we can kind of play it safe with someone until we get to know them. I try to fix people sometimes, I'm like, Dan,
1: stop doing that, just listen. And you stack on top of that the habit of not taking your phone when you take your dog, it's easy.
0: They had no other way to get out of the cave, and we either turn our backs on them, in which case they're going to die, or We give this crazy idea a go. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. Hey, I didn't realize you're a handsome, fashionable <laughs> man.
1: Uh, no, well, it's not. <laughs> we're I'm on, we're on by sh- the I way. We've started the show.
0: No, I wanted to start this. You've come into the studio, you smell good, you look good, <laughs> you've got
1: just the most
0: beautiful fitting clothes. Uh,
1: thanks. You're a clean individual. Oh, yeah, thank you. Um, <laughs> I'm kind of blushing. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, well, all credit has to go to my wife. It's funny, you know, like since I've started working in the real world. Yes. Um, Welcome. One of the great stresses <laughs> has been getting dressed every day. Oh. I'm like, like like when I would go to training, I just chuck on tracky pants. And and particularly with COVID, I literally wore the same clothes yeah. two years straight. Like there was like a winter kit and a summer kit to training and to home. Whereas now I'm like, got a meeting today, going here today. Mm. Like what am I going to wear? Mm. Stressing me. Heart. Does that? Do, but when you were playing
0: though, did you always sort of treat the boys some days and just come in real hot? Did you? Ever yeah. Have those days when you want early days. Like, early it, days?
1: Yeah. like <laughs> as I got older, I just didn't give a shit anymore. Um, and like with kids and married, I was like whatever. But early days, it was like every day I would try and come in like feeling good. Yeah, it was like that whole yeah. look good, feel good kind yeah. of thing. And um, but yeah, I dropped that.
0: You're, you're very classy now. We are just talking before. I feel like black on black venture out to some Navy, maybe a bit of Grey. <laughs> but I can imagine you back in maybe, because, like, for me, something that sticks out to, like, a nostalgic Demons player was, like, Mark J.
1: Maher. <laughs> oh, man. And, like... They were my fashion influence That's what early I mean. Days. And I can him imagine Brett him. Malone. Brett
0: Maloney. Maloney and wearing, like, cargo, like, pants with, like, a big travesty T-shirt <laughs> uh, or something.
1: We were all, like, uh, well, I remember early days, like, Leopard... I mean, not leopard. <laughs> oh, leopard, <laughs> leopard. <laughs> snakeskin shoes, like tight oh. jeans, like V-neck T-shirts. Yeah. Like, and I look back now, I'm like, what was I thinking? Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I'm very much a neutral. Yeah, I good. was all black, mm. but I have, have tried to add some sort of like this is this is out there for me.
0: Yeah, it's cool. What are you? Like, I'm getting way too into this now. but What are <laughs> your like? Have you got those go-to brands? Because I've got a couple that I just stick with now. Uh, so my generic ones are there's a brand called Handsome that I love in Fitzroy. Uniqlo yeah. is just like- I'll go there a
1: bit for t-shirts Uni- mainly.
0: Uniqlo is the most underrated shop in yeah, the, yeah. the world and also um, massively underrated one. I don't even like giving this one out because it's so underrated. Cotton on.
1: Cotton on. I Well, I'll admit all, my entire underwear drawer is cotton on.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they're, <laughs> like elite. they're elite. They're elite. they have got some good stuff. Um, check it out. Anyway, man, welcome to the show. Thank you. How are you?
1: I'm very well, yeah. Is this like the,
0: this would be, like, obviously, I've had the pleasure of gracing um, the field with that maybe once. But I think it's the first time I've sat down and had a chat. I reckon. Well, it would have to be. Well, I would, definitely I remember, would be. Yeah, I would de- have said g'day. <laughs> yeah, I definitely remember. Um, great to meet you. I know Likewise. a lot about you, and obviously, we do research, Bruce Sam, Hanson Darcy, they love doing research. Today, have you found, um, I'm sure you'd be aware of this. But on Wikipedia, the first time when you type your name into Google, yes, you're actually the second person that comes up. I know,
1: up. famous American. <laughs> no, he's Australian. <laughs> is he Australian? Australian
0: WWE wrestler. Wrestler. And yeah. There's, yeah. A, there's a.
1: And I think he's been an in uncanny- jail?
0: Is it?
1: I'm pretty sure. Oh, I've done a little bit of research. There's an it. uncanny
0: bit of a resemblance there as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Rigorously. I'm not quite as built. No. He's um he's six foot eleven. Holy fuck! I didn't know that. So he's six foot eleven, two hundred so two hundred eleven centimeters, one hundred forty five kilos. Yeah, man. Anyway, moving on. Um, that's interesting. What's been happening with you? Freshly retired. Mm-hmm. Um, you've gone. There's two ways you can go with retirement. You've sort of made us all look real bad, and you're sort of the one that's like going straight into like doing Ironmans and shit. <laughs> right. No, but what the fuck?
1: The reason why. <laughs> There's some context to it, okay. like, uh, well, like obviously off the back of everything with the season finishing and my career finishing, and then obviously adding two babies into the mix at mm-hmm. home, which takes takes my tally at home to four. Far out. I was like, I need to take a breath and just chill. Um, Do
0: anything to get out of the house.
1: Well, that that's where it came in, kind of thing. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I just uh, I I decided I was going to take twelve months off, which it only eventuated to being five or six, but. Mm. That was an awesome period. Like I just wanted to focus on being around the kids and being present and um, sort of enjoying some stuff and the freedom that, you know, I, I guess I didn't have when I, you were playing footy, mm. um, which you'd know. But then part of that, I sort of worried about not having any structure um, and like routine. Cause it's like, I don't, I've only ever lived that way. Like you say, 16 years of footy, but like I was probably living like that from, you know, maybe 10, like just being involved in heaps of sport and training and like just regular. So I was like a bit concerned about just like leaving it open. Yeah. Um, And I'd had a few, I'd always been interested in the fact that I was fit and I had the time, I was like, I'm going to have a crack at doing a half Ironman. Uh, Ultimate gold, I'd love to do like Hawaii. Wow. Um, So half Iron. what's a half half Ironman? Ironman? So like Ironman triathlon, which is the most famous one, would be the Hawaiian Ironman. Yeah. Yeah, that's 3.8K swim, 180K bike, and then you run a marathon. Oh, my God. So, it's essentially what I did was half that. Yeah, right. So, 1.9, 90, 21.1. Oh, that's cute, man. <laughs> He's done that. That's He's cute. done it. That's cute. What time did you punch no, you out is, for that, by the way? This is my
0: Melbourne marathon. Yeah, man. I know. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, we don't talk about times.
1: I, I <laughs> Completion. No,
0: nah, I, uh, I did a just under four hours, 350. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, but I don't- I don't know how you ran, swam, and biked. In, like it's just that blows yeah. my mind. No matter the yeah. distance, like I was, the, I the like lactic a, off the legs
1: as yeah, well. Yeah. Like. well, I put a I put a fair bit of time in. Like I, and I never you finished really, in the top thirty. Foot thirty-four. Yeah, was it? something like that. Yeah, um, I was like top fifteen in my age. Maybe, wow. like maybe I think it was might have been ninth. Don't quote me on that. I don't know. That was good fun. I, I Like I said, I, I sort of got stuck. Originally my plan was I'm going to keep running to stay fit and yeah. it was getting me out of the house uh, early days and I was going to do Melbourne but then I just never done any training. Like I did when I was younger but obviously playing footy, it's so different it's so to different. these kind of endurance sports. Yeah. And I was just like after three or four weeks of like trying to build up the miles and stuff, I was like ruined. I'm like oh. I need someone to help me. And I think doing Melbourne was too quick. And so then I sort of looked in the calendar and like, march seemed like enough time yeah so i just got stuck into like a 12 week program which was pretty fun and it gave me the structure i was after yeah and then yeah i just got really stuck into it like i did triathlons when i was a kid a little bit raced like junior nationals and stuff like that so then i was like it was sort of like a quite nostalgic that i was doing it again like i'd gone full circle and i was back Competing, which was fun, and what were you um,
0: like as a runner, like playing footy? You're obviously good. Is that your yeah? Like, um, you yeah
1: like I'm definitely my strength is endurance. endurance. Yeah, hundred yeah, yeah. percent. What
0: would you um, be getting like two k Um, I
1: reckon, uh, I reckon we sort of did four one k's, mm. like around that six yeah, minute yeah. mark. Oh wow, six twenty ish, maybe Fuck, I reckon six fifteen. Yeah, around Princess, we used to do three k's around around there all the time. They sucked. Um, yeah, like multiple of preseason. Wow, but. Then I reckon I I don't know clocked a nine thirty something around oh, there.
0: That's unbelievable.
1: That was back. in – That was like so funny, man. When we were real bad as a team, we were an elite group of runners. Like I reckon at one point, <laughs> Damn, man. That it's so annoying, random, that? Yeah. like. I reckon at one point, uh, Tommy McDonald would know this, but I reckon we had 10 or 12 guys that could run under 10 minutes for 3K, which is elite as far as like a footy team goes. Unbelievable. Yeah, I reckon the average losing margin that year would have been bloody 75 points. Man,
0: (laughs) you would know like, you know, I've got a small glimmer into this of of playing in a a team that, you know, hasn't performed to this stage. But I played at Carlton and went to the Giants and didn't really play there, but I (laughs) I, I trained with them and i swear to god it's so much harder losing than it is winning yeah, 100% like you, you actually you know like fans and everyone they're like oh this team they had to work hard it's like man i'm telling you right now the you teams work that are way the, harder the teams that are at the bottom of the ladder are working double, double. as hard as the teams at the top yeah
1: they are just nowhere near as efficient and um and i, I yeah you know, i guess that's one part of my journey that i was sort of lucky enough to see both ends of that yeah. spectrum really um and it's, it's so obvious, like, I just remember those dark days. You feel like you're dragging your ass and you've really actually, you know, run way further and way harder than you oh. normally do because you're just chasing and trying to put pressure on, but they're just almost running rings you're you. are trying too
0: hard. Yeah, you yeah. are. Which is weird. Hey, take us back. Um, Nathan Jones as a, as a young man, where'd you grow up? What were you like as a kid? What's your um, first memories?
1: Um, down, from down the Mornington Peninsula. Mm. Grew up, Was you a Stingray? Yep. Yeah. I uh, grew up Mount Eliza. Sort of Mornington area. Played all my junior footy at um, Mount Eliza Redlegs down there, Mm. which is funnily enough all Demons Colors, Demons Song. So, uh, yeah, I've sort of never shaken that of- uh, Port Arlington too. and Yes, and this is the other ironic thing. So the team I'm playing for in the Carlton Draft, Port Arlington Demons, is all the same. Far
0: out. That's hectic.
1: Yeah, it's like transcended from the moment I was like, what, six or seven that I started playing there. Literally, the mainstay team that I played in, other than representative sides, always wore red and blue and sung the the same theme song.
0: Okay, this is a way off topic question, <laughs> but because you're a fashion you're a fashionista man, what would be? And I know you're you're demon through and through, but was there ever a jumper where you're like, oh, that's free. I'd love to wear that jumper? Because I know I used to think about that heaps. Like I had this thing around the well, Swans I'm jumper. I love their jumper. I just reckon it's a cool. Yeah, I actually
1: They do have a good kit. Yeah. I probably would have just been like the black and white version of Collingwood yeah, or Port yeah. that I liked. I don't mind Richmond's kit. I'm not massive on the, the I, don't mi- I don't mind it.
0: Um, so, yeah, grew up in Mount Eliza, playing yep. footy there.
1: And then went to Peninsula Grammar, you know, just lived down there. Lived a pretty cruisy life, mum and dad and two other brothers, younger. So, there's one in between me and Zach. Zach plays at Saints, obviously, yep. and um, and Josh, he's a plumber, runs his own company now and- he still lives down there. Mum and dad are still down there. Zach's sort of up near me around Bayside now. And, and yeah, like we are, uh, I was just right into sport as a kid. Mum and dad always sort of encouraged us to go down that path, sort of keep us out of trouble mm-hmm. and keep us occupied, like a lot of energy in our house with the three of us and um, a fair bit of trouble. And, yeah, so sport was always the like avenue to sort of blow some steam off and run us ragged. And, uh, and, yeah, and we lived in a, it was funnily enough, we lived in a court. For most of my childhood, my greatest memory is living in a court in uh, in a street in Mount Eliza or in a court in Mount Eliza and uh, there's, like, three boys in our house, three boys in the house next door, two boys in the house next door to that and we backed onto a primary school. So, like, we had the greatest backyard ah, ever. Um, and we'd just be out. Like, I remember all of the houses, they had, like, an old school bell because, like, we'd be all just in the school. After, after school, we'd be in the primary school just, like, playing footy and skating, cricket basketball anything like when we just used the whole school grounds and all their facilities which was epic yeah it was was good times and yeah like pretty successful as a junior sports athlete and I sort of went a little bit of an alternative way to most kids like you know I guess the Australian way is you play footy in winter and cricket basketball those kind of sports in summer but I was right into sort of like swimming and athletics cross country um, like a lot of running and all that kind of thing and yeah, I never really play. I didn't play any of those other sports other than footy. My old man got me into surfing when I was young. Skated a bit, and yeah. So like most of the time, I would I sort of translated those couple of skills with you know being swimming was like a I guess that was a necessity for me to want to be uh, want to go surfing on my own. So my old man like sort of set me the task of like if I wrote uh, if I reach squad squad level in swimming, which is I don't know if it's still the same now. Yeah. but then he would have the faith in me to be able to um, go, go surfing on my own. And funnily enough, I actually was pretty good at swimming. And and similar, like running was uh, the same, you know, like all through that sort of junior schools, you know, state and national stuff. I did a bit of that and put them together in the summer for one bit over, you know, between sort of the ages 14, 16, and did a bit of triathlons. But then, you know, foot, as you'd know, as you, you get to sort of 15, 16, footy becomes pretty serious. And, mm playing rep footy and in my case, you know, with private school, you play school footy and, yes, yeah, just get too busy. Mm-hmm.
0: I love what, you're, um, what your old man did with the, the swimming and the yeah. ocean. Like I think now, like we're living in Sydney, I'm massive. Like ocean was my thing, like every day there. But there was still parts that like – because I didn't grow up around it yeah. all the time. Like I was from Melbourne. I went to the, down to Bowenheads Heads all the time. But – if you don't learn the ocean from like a young age or even how to swim comfortably, it's a fucking scary place. Yeah, like, man. And whenever I have kids, the first thing they're doing is like nippers to like learn how to swim in the ocean because yeah. being comfortable in the ocean is like one of the most underrated skills you can have.
1: Yeah, 100%. I think particularly in Australia as well, like I still find it funny that people are scared, you know, but it's just like foreign for me to even think that way because- I've been comfortable in it from yeah. such a young age.
0: Even just like rips and stuff like that. Like yeah. the knowledge of getting out of rips. Man, yeah, I got stuck in one of fucking at Backpackers Rip in Bondi. <laughs> yeah, wow, I nearly drowned. I like, took a was like 26, man. Like, <laughs> I it was so embarrassing. I took
1: a mate. Uh, well, I've got a funny story. I took a mate um, surfing. He's like, oh, I want to go surfing. And we went to Gunnamatta down the peninsula, quite notorious for sort of rips and mm. being a like, lot um, unpredictable. And, you know, we all sort of paddle out there. And I don't think he picked up that there was sort of a rip running through and I didn't really say anything, but next minute like I'm paddling for waves and surfing and a couple of us <laughs> are as well and we're like looking around like, where's Jimmy? And he's like miles out, like oh. so far past us, you know, at least 100, 150, and you see the rubber dinghy come out from down where the flags are, <laughs> pick him up. And we all go in like and it's will we'll all stand on the shore. It's like and he's got the walk of shame. Oh. He gets off the – he's like – you know, 25-year-old with a surfboard and a wetsuit looks like the real deal and he's being carried in on the rubber ducking and it's a walk of shame down the beach back to all the boys. It's hilarious. Oh, mate, that was me
0: <laughs> at Bondi too. Like if the Bondi Rescue was there, I would have been on the, yeah. rest, on the next series. It's that. That's how bad it was. But, yeah, bloody scary. Bloody scary. Shout out to Jimmy. I know he been, brother been um, Junior, Junior's as well, Peninsula growing up, because you were pick 13, pick 12, pick 12. Peak yeah. 12. Who was, um, around your age, who was playing with you? Like who were the guys you were coming through the system with?
1: Oh, I came through with like uh, Pendles and Daisy Thomas. We, we played Murph. off. Murph, definitely. Yeah, we played together in the Metro side. Daisy and Pendles and a couple of others I don't think played for too, too long, but um, that sort of Gippsland power area. Mm. Uh, that year, Stingrays and Gippsland played off in the grand final. I think it might have been the last year they played as a curtain raiser attack cup yeah. for the grand final. Yeah, there's a there's a fair few guys like Paddy Ryder was in my draft. You know Higgins, Hearn. Was a, it was a pretty good draft.
0: Anyone? So Pendles would be the only one.
1: Pendle's still, still going. Pretty good sure. Draft. Oh, Paddy Ryder. Paddy Ryder. Patty yep.
0: right as well. Yeah, super draft. Um, first memories of getting picked up to the D's. What? what was uh, I there? was pretty
1: relieved to be honest.
0: Staying in Melbourne, or yeah.
1: Just, yeah, Um, Like there was a fair bit of interest from West Coast, and they were the next pick. So, oh. you know, I don't know what would have happened. Obviously, if uh, if I didn't get taken by the D's, but it could have could have been very different.
0: What was it? Just like young, but didn't want to leave Melbourne, or yeah,
1: I day? don't know. I was just like I was very much a homebody. Yeah. Like I love my own space, and I enjoy the comfort of being around like mm. family and friends and stuff. And it's just that the thought of that change, I would have gone for sure. Probably yeah. been. Would have been totally fine. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I think I guess at that age, and I was underage for that draft. I think that again, this that same year was the last year where you could get drafted underage. So I was only seventeen. Love that. I don't know. It was just quite daunting for me to think about that. But yeah. yeah. Anyway, didn't eventuate, and um. Yeah, off I went to the D's. I was pretty pumped. Like they were a pretty good side. Yeah. And Neil um, Danaher was coach. Neil Danaher coach. Um. And they had a lot of good players and quite a successful. Like I think he was coach for ten years and they made finals. A fair few of those um or most of those i'm pretty sure Yeah, you, know, you walk in david Neats, Uze, crazy. bruce um travis johnson was like he lived in chelsea and i still lived in mornington so he'd like drive me to train i didn't even have a license at the time and yeah there's just like brad green there's just so many well um known like melbourne players of that sort of early 2000 era you know they played in the granny in 2000 and as I mentioned, you know, they'd played finals a fair bit. So, yeah, I was pretty excited. But it was weird. Like it just wasn't what I anticipated now looking back. Like we didn't really have a base as far as like a, you know, a home ground. Like we were out of Junction Oval, which when I walked into Junction Oval, I was like, man, like my school facilities or my local footy club are yeah. almost better than this, yeah. you know. It's like uh, I think, you I don't know if you've heard many guys talk about it, but it's like possums climbing out of the roofs and like, rats and mice and stuff and, yeah, it was just not what I anticipated. Um, But, you know, at the same time, you know, looking back, you can really admire like that group under Danners with the limited sort of uh, facilities and opportunities they had in that regard. Like they did a bloody good job to be the, the quality of team that they were. Um, for so many years. It was interesting, like preseason sort of hopped around. Like I'd drive from Mornington, we'd go to Trinity playing fields mm. to do training, back to Junction to do weights, go to MSAC or the beach to do some sort of recovery, and then jump in the car and drive back home. That was most days in preseason, early years. And yeah, it was it started off pretty good and then down she went for a bit. Yeah, well there's some, there's a roller
0: coaster. That's, that's <laughs> sure. It was um it's crazy to sit in there and think like about your career and being somewhere for, for such a long time, like 300 games. And you're, you're going to go down as, as a club legend. You already are, but it's you're there forever. Like it's incredible. It's an honor to be with yeah, you. It really is. Thanks. Congratulations. Thanks, mate. But how crazy is it to think like when – one thing that I do now that I'm finished footy is when players debut and you know how you get like a player number? Yeah. I remember my Carlton player number was like 1145 and my Giants number was something like 200 or something like that because there's, there's less. But one thing's crazy is now when you see players debut and they get their number and you go, fuck, there's been that many players go yeah, through man. since me. I know. Can you, have you ever done the maths of like working out how many people nah, you've well, seen come through the club? Like, I think
1: it's like, oh, man, that's like particularly through – if you just went on that decade where we struggled as a club, our average turnover would have had to have been 10 players.
0: More, I reckon. Like,
1: Oh, that's what I mean, like yeah. just average. Like they'd, they'd be turning at least, you know, somewhere between 10 and 15 over every year Yeah. as we like replenish the list and trade it in and out and, you know, bring draft picks in. Like it was a hectic time, a lot of turmoil and, you know, it wasn't a very sort of steady or stable mm. period. Um, but we can get to that. I guess my position in all of that, like, um, yep. you know, I think about the club, like I think there's some crazy, uh, I guess, things about Melbourne Footy Club. Like it's something like the the oldest sporting club in Australia – And it may even be one of the oldest – I think it is one of the oldest sporting clubs in the world. I can't really remember exactly. I reckon it might be in the top three potentially, but don't quote me on that again. I can't quite remember. But, yeah, so then when you think about that, like being around for, you know, 180-plus years, like, um, yeah, it's pretty cool that I sort of sit right up there as far as sort of games played and years spent there and – yeah, it's. Uh, I never had never really reflected on it too much, probably have more so in the last five or six months. But,
0: mm.
1: yeah, it's pretty cool. It's
0: unbelievable, man. It's unbelievable. It's in the history books forever. <laughs> it's so, super crazy. Let's go back to, to that early career. So you get to the Ds, going pretty well. I think in your fifth game you're playing in like finals.
1: Yeah, so I've would well, Dana sort of – well, the team was real good. Really like, good, um yeah. We finished fifth that season and it took me 16 rounds to get in obviously a team that's going that well sort of finishing in the top five or six teams of the comps got a pretty strong midfield and has uh you know wanted me to sort of realign and learn some really key lessons I think and uh you know I had to earn my spot in the side which you know I look back on that and so I'm sort of grateful for that journey rather than you know first round draft pick I think you can sort of come in and think it yeah, you should be you're entitled to an opportunity kind of thing but I definitely had to sort of earn my stripes and play the right way and all those kind of things and um you know i guess put the runs on the board which you know i enjoyed that because i sort of always looked when i got drafted that yes i finally made it but actually there's a hell of a long way to (laughs) go kind of thing and this is only the start so yeah i enjoyed that first period debuted against the um dogs at the g adam uzay's 250th game it's pretty cool day and um you get to walk off we won um, sort of arm in arm with who's as he celebrates his 250th and I play my first. Um, and then, yeah, it was pretty fun finish to that season. I ended up playing eight games and I was a mad Saints fan as a kid um, and, you know, we made finals. Uh, you know, my – what was it? must have been my sixth game, last game of the season, whatever that was, sixth game, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think we, had to, we went down to Geelong played Geelong and Geelong and there's a lot of stories of Geelong and Geelong, not many good ones from yeah. my career. But uh, I remember this one because it's like we're, we're fighting out for a top four and we end up having a draw. So uh, that sort of pushed us down to fifth. And we had elimination finals and um, we ended up playing St Kilda first final. Uh, uh, as I said before, I was a Mad Saints fan. And uh, I'm like, end up. I'm um, Robert Harvey. Was like my idol. Yeah, Like, posters on the wall. Like War 35. Like just wanted to be like him. Like War Puma footy boots and his socks up, jumper tucked in, just so to be like him. And um, and yeah, I end up lining up on him for the first bounce of that game, kind of thing. And um, yeah, that was like a real pinch me moment because I was just like. I practically still half-backed for the Saints, yeah. you know. Like, um, I wasn't long enough entrenched in the sort of Melbourne system and, you know, um, to not still admire the fact that I was playing on my childhood hero. So that was pretty cool. And then we go to Perth and just weren't good enough. Mm. We were in the game half halftime and Freo were just too good.
0: Mm. When did, uh, I suppose, in with Melbourne, did it start to sort of click that things weren't, like on a downward trajectory? Was there a time that you sort of- It was remember? probably halfway
1: through that second year. That second year, yeah. Yeah, um, we didn't start the year that great. <clears throat> Bit of inconsistency. I um, can't quite remember the reasons, but you know, I think mid-year, Dan stood down as coach. Mm-hmm. So then I had my second coach, we had um, Bomber Riley come in and take over as a caretaker for the rest of that season. And, yeah, sort of from that point on, like, you know, then we went into the, um, what was it, the sort of Dean Bailey era after that. And, you know, there's an exodus of some senior players. And, you know, we, we, were, we came good at certain times under Bales, played some pretty good footy, but the gap between our best and worst was still quite significant. And then obviously, you know, you go, so fast forward through that period, we're actually sort of climbing back up the ladder just outside the eight at one point. I remember we smashed swans at the G like 90 points and mm. there was a lot of um, positive talk about the club and you know, we'd acquired some talent through draft picks and stuff and but then we had that bloody infamous loss down at the Cattery. Yes. Uh, and I think that's, that was like 186 points. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and that – um, I think that sort of just sent us backwards again. You know, the club made some um some big decisions like following that game, sacked Bales and and then yeah, sort of lost its way as an organisation. I think you know then we've sort of fast track into the new era. Similar sort of things happen really. You know, um, comes in and does a little bit of an excess again of sort of what senior players we had left and um yeah we just struggled as a club we never really clicked under nudity and you know the losses mounted in his second year he was gone as well yeah it was kind of scary because it was like one was okay but then like happens another time another time it's like man this is like crazy like by the time i what's that almost uh you know, probably eight years into my career seven or eight years into my career i've already had like what, three, four, five, five or six coaches Mm. (laughs) with caretakers and coaches. So, um, yeah, that was a a crazy period. Um, And then we sort of started to come out of it as we – probably the worst loss under Nealty was I think it was the second season. I reckon first four games of the year we lost spot. We got crushed, crushed by West Coast. I remember losing at the G to Essendon. It was like 150 points. We got like booed off the ground, like throwing stuff at us, throwing scars and memberships. And yeah, that was like that was grim. Um, yeah, I still that 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 game in particular, like the 186 was like we're in Geelong, and once you got off the ground, I was there's a there's, there's a tough period, yeah there's a lot of sort of shame associated with it. Mm. Like particularly after those losses, you know what it's like, you need to ride the lows and the highs obviously. But going through that period, it's funny because I'm speaking in a couple of weeks or actually next week at the Norm Smith oration night for the MCC. So it's all this stuff that you're asking me about my career. It's like quite um, like front of mind because I've sort of gone back over it to Mm. pull together a speech and um, sort of brings up a lot of that emotion from that period where, you know... um, you sort of buried it away and almost like lived like for a lot of my career, like it's almost like survival mechanisms kind of thing just to get through. And, um, yeah, it's, uh, let me get to the sort of Peter Jackson, Paul Ruse era and the club found its way again after a little bit of time.
0: It's interesting, isn't it? Like, and not putting in words in your mouth, this is more my opinion on, on things. As I said, I've been a part of a club similar to that on similar trajectories and like, you feel like sometimes, as we said earlier, the harder you try, the the harder it gets. And also, what happens is, too, um, especially when these things are happening, you go All right, reactive. Let's sack the coach. Let's turn over the list. Let's get new people in power. Those people come in. They want to make changes. They bring people in. They want to make changes. Yeah. Those changes don't work. Fuck it. Let's sack those people. Yeah. Let's change the list. Let's do it again. That's basically what happened. Man. It does. It was
1: like a full on like rat race. Like yeah. Which then it's funny because then I obviously saw the progression from from that sort of next phase. And really it's like the leadership and the um, alignment from the top down and just like having everyone on the same page, pushing in the same direction. That's not to say that you can't like deviate on that path but mm. you know, you've got to get the buy-in and get the right sort of leadership and skills in the right positions. And I think that's what the club did. I guess reflecting on that like real difficult time is like there's a heap of uh, you know people ask me like why like why why did you stay through that stuff like mm. I think for me it's like I look back to when I was a kid and you know it's like personal traits of like you know hard work and loyalty and um, I guess never giving up and those kind of things and I guess the more I sort of you know conceptualize the situation I was like I couldn't really deal with my own conscience if I was to walk away from it because I feel like I was sort of cheating on myself. Like I'd got this far through, through you know, fighting through whatever sort of obstacle was put in my way. So sort of every time I considered like my contract situation, I was like, no, nah. because how good would it be? Like I just had this vision from early days. Like when we struggled in the early years, it was like it's going to be epic. Like we'll get through this period. Imagine when we come out the other side. Mm. I wasn't to know that it was going to take, you know, 10 plus years but that sort of still drove and as I grew and my, um, you know, experience and responsibilities grew and I became more of a leader, you know, that dream and that vision became like yeah, there was more weight behind it kind of thing. I felt a lot more responsibility to, you know, see that through and um, I think that's what ultimately motivated me was to get out the other side, you know, there's sort of two choices multiple times. Like do you stay and, uh, you know, fight your way through it and hope that we can come out the other side and help lead and help change and and will that bring genuine joy and fulfilment or can I just jump ship and, you know, join up in another club almost you could single-handedly at one point pick where you wanted to go and probably play in a premiership or at least play finals regularly. But for me that never really sat well. It's like... Mm what uh you know what substance is is to that um and would that bring me f- total fulfillment and joy and I just I could never consider that I was mm. just like I want to see this through because coming out the other side of this would be like wow epic, that was yeah. like that whole journey was epic and that was like uh, yeah that's why you did it kind of thing oh, wow and that's so what that's what motivated me
0: you never got close to considering it
1: like no nah, yeah. like Yeah, there was times I'm not gonna lie. Like there's times with my wife where I was like, "Fuck this, I'm done." Like,
2: and I think anyone would blame that. The emotional toll was
1: like big. Like it was a lot of, uh, you know, it was a heavy burden at times where you just like because, when I didn't have kids and stuff, like you live and breathe footy, and like and everyone around you and those close to you, particularly within the inner sanctum of your own life, live and breathe it, and they ride the bumps with you. Um, And my wife, I've been with my wife since. the end of year 12 so she's been there the entire way Um, and she sees what I put in and she sees the pain that you feel like you know post game or after a bad loss it's funny like there's times where you're just so embarrassed where you just don't want to like go out on the street like didn't want to go out in my Melbourne kit post game and pick up like any sort of takeaway on the drive home because it's like for fear that you know people are judging you but it was, it was a tough period there for sure you you just almost adapt your life because it was like you were embarrassed at how bad your footy team was mm. and that you played for them kind of thing. And I, I know a lot of players struggle throughout period because it's like it's not what you envisage or imagine, but we came out the other side. You did. It's hard, isn't
0: it, because we, you know, we speak about this a lot, but <clears throat> separating like the person from the persona, yeah. like you're getting pumped every week, everyone's talking shit, which, you know, rightly or wrongly so. But then you start to believe that and you go, well, like I'm a good person just because I'm not performing or my team's not performing doesn't mean like I'm a shit bloke. Yeah, man. And you you get in those real bad battles with yourself. What I
1: struggled with most was like attaching my self-worth to like accolades or, Mm. um, or like, you know, the opinion of people or you know the respect of the competition or other teams or opposition players and that kind of thing. Uh, rather than like, um, and I guess what that did, it sort of fostered, you know, um, a real roller coaster of emotion. Like, I went through some good periods where I got some good results, but really that never brought me fulfillment. It was like I was chasing this never ending cycle of like, yeah. you know, I just I want our team to be respected. I want our club to be respected. Oh, I want to be respected. You know, I want to get. You know, I want to be you know, seen in the light of the good players. I want our club to be seen in the light of the best teams rather than sort of um, I guess chasing the thing that really brings you joy inside. And I think that's what, you know, Goody did and Roosie did and Peter Jackson did and and Goody in particular sort of harness that with the current group around finding what your higher purpose is. Mm. Like, yes, we're all playing to win, but why are we playing to win kind of thing and you know it all boils down like everyone plays footy for that 30 minutes where you celebrate the wins with your family and friends and teammates and you sing the song and you just sit in the rooms and soak that moment up kind of thing. that's what you play for, you know mm. not the W or not the wet uh, not the medal or Not even necessarily the trophy, you know? Yeah, it's interesting.
0: 100%. Easter, four days of outdoor adventures, work in the garage or doing stuff around the home or even in the garden. you got to love that. Bring on the jobs and pile them up. 101 long weekend jobs ready to tackle. You could be in the outdoors, putting your four-wheel drive to the test, tearing down an internal war or maybe putting a new one up, or even repurposing an old wine barrel for an outdoor table. Whatever the task over Easter, Trojan Tools are up for the job. Trojan Tools. Quality tools at DIY prices backed by a lifetime warranty. Available in-store or online at Bunnings Warehouse. Trojan Tools built tough. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp Therapy Online. Life is full of ups and downs. i found over the last few years talking to someone, especially a psychologist, has been a really helpful tool for me to make sense of my thoughts. I try to keep it a consistent part of my life because I love being proactive with my mental health. BetterHelp is the largest online therapy provider in the world. BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. If you're busy like everyone else these days, the good news is it's entirely online. BetterHelp is designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Our listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash That's betterhelp.com slash betterhel B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash dill, D-Y-L. You know one thing... Um, I find really interesting and this is actually a question for you is like we had Max Gorn on the show like last year and he was talking a lot about, um, about the Ds and like, you know, what, what has changed in his time, you know, being there. And we spoke about, like there's a lot of talk about the talent that, you know, was sort of coming through with him and, and guys that unfortunately didn't make it. And, you know, we all know, you know, those sort of guys, like the really good players, high picks, like, but unfortunately didn't, mm. you know, make it on and, and what it was. And he sort of referred to the pact of like Melbourne Maybe didn't have like a right development at that stage yeah, to get those sure. players for sure. You say for sure, but like there's also a part of it now, too. Like, I was thinking about that and I look at you and I was like, well, that didn't,
1: yeah, but there's not many, certain, like,
0: didn't really work for you, did it? Yeah, yeah, well, like, th- not to give them an out or anything, no, no, there's no, more just I think, there's two uh, like different I've, ways I've about had it.
1: this discussion with a few boys, Max being one of them, like a lot of us are like, uh, you know, similar sort of personalities, you know, like, mm. but not everyone's like that. And that was one of the great lessons I learned as a leader. Like, you know, initially when I was captain early days, it's like, or even in the leadership group and as vice captain before being there, like everything to me was black or white. Like if yeah. you weren't like me and you didn't do stuff like me and you didn't have a high kind of standard like me and or to that kind of expectation, like it would really grind my gears and I'd get real frustrated and, um, and I would fire up kind of thing. But as I sort of gained perspective and invested more in sort of understanding myself and then others and how people are different and sort of learnt to understand empathy a bit more, you know, my perspective really shifted and changed. Mm. And that's why I say, yeah, for sure, because I look at the program that we had, you know, even the last five years, not just the premiership year, like there was a a lot of work that led to that Um, and that fostered the differences in people. And it allowed them to come to training, at, be at the club and be who they are mm. and still push them to have like really high standards and, you know, I guess strive to be better and be the best. That did not mean that they had to all be the same person, you know that's what I mean? That's so true. Um, and that's why, you know, you look back and I think that's where we might have gone wrong at different times. It's like you try, try and... um sort of uh you know tarnish everyone with the same brush kind of thing but it's not how how society is and i think that's why i think coaching in particular has evolved to sort of now encompassing so much more of like relationships and connection and understanding people and that's how you actually get the best out of them like you know you listen to all these old commentators like they should be copping a spray but yeah it's just like it's not
0: it doesn't work it's for not everyone. the best yeah. way
1: to do it you know um And I I learned that. Like at one point I was like that and then I went through this whole sort of, you know, off the back of everything I went through, the journey from a footy perspective, I sort of went on a parallel personal kind of journey as well where you understand yourself better and, you know, I really wanted to develop in that leadership space because in a way I didn't feel like, you know, with the sort of exodus of a lot of senior guys, there was a lot of uh, expectation put on a lot of us um, that were ill-equipped and you know probably not experienced enough already to even be in some of those positions so you know jack grimes jack Trengov, probably two of the prime examples really um you know captains at 21 and i can't remember how old um grimes he was at the time but low 20s as well so yeah i think uh for me it was like if you're not sort of uh sheltered by the seniority like i needed to develop myself and um I think Max is of a similar ilk with his own personality, he's very self driven. Tom McDonald's another one, Neville Jetta's another one, Jack Viney's another one, all guys that sort of had seen or lived some of or a lot of that that dark time. Yeah. Um but yeah. I no. think now it's like it's it's you look at it and I think the way they do it now is far better than the way it used to be done.
0: Fuck oh, man, it's such a it's such a good point. Like I um I think I'm no way near the, the highest standards that you have but similar to that sort of mindset it's like you, if you don't work hard fuck you or whatever it yeah. is and you can have that and I, I remember I watched this um this video on YouTube recently and it was like because I, I need to get better one of my things I'm really focusing on is like empathy and like putting yourself in someone's shoes mm. and, and not like judging people it's just like just trying to understand people yeah. more and exactly that point and there's this video it's unbelievable I'm going to put in the show notes and I'll explain it now but it was talking about um, emotional intelligence and I was saying that uh, it gives a case study of there's a, there's a homeless man and there's two types of people that walk past and there's one guy who walks past and he's like, you know, come from a um, broke family he's um, done, you know, everything himself he believes in like Greek mythology where it's like, you know, um, conquer or be conquered and um, the homeless guy asks for money and he goes, well why the fuck would I give you money he goes, I've gone out, worked my ass off and, like, I've done everything to make this money. Like, why would I give it to you? Mm. Anyway, the next guy comes past and he's come from um, a, a quite a well-off family and he's learned, like, you know, that he's extremely grateful and um, he's been blessed and, you know, he's grown up to give back. So the person, you know, identifies in it that this guy hasn't had the luck that I've had, I need to give back to you and, you know, to to support. And there's no right or wrong, but the message in the video was, you've got to understand both of them and yeah. they're both valid. Yeah. And you got to understand more that people have different outlooks on mm-hmm. life and you can have one and other people can have other, but it's like how you can put yourself in both shoes yeah. to understand it. Yep. I was like, fuck, that is unbelievable. Yeah, like, absolutely, It was such man. a good like little thing because it fucks you in your head you on oh, that one. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, fuck, I'm wrong. You yeah. know? Like, you're like, It's not, it's not about being deep, one. But or, that's yeah. like if you yeah. think
1: about the societal like split that we've had in the last few years of like, covid and vaccines and all this kind of stuff mm. it's like like just split society yeah too like you're either one side or the other rather than like i don't care what you do man you do you and i'll do me and yeah you can see my point from your perspective and i'll see yours from mine and you know we don't have to hate each other for it but it yeah. was like dividing friendships and communities and well, even with the,
0: the families the like it's crazy government stuff of late like, like the exactly. Same thing. it's exactly like it's the same it's- thing People want to force – like I, I'm i not really into politics and I felt bad for not being into it because I was like I need to have an opinion. <laughs> I was like, fuck, I just – you know, it wasn't yeah, something that I was super into but mm-hmm. you're so right. Um, I'm going to link that video because I think it is like seriously one of the best things I've seen in that in that space because like it's exactly what you said, exactly your journey, exactly the journey like I'm on. It's probably a lot of people are on that yeah. too. It's um Yeah, it's really, really cool. I'll link it. Um, Dees as well. One thing I do want to ask you about and I, I'm not sure it, it is – uncomfortable time but the the tanking thing yeah in the man what was that like what yeah. was it like to be a part of that because like yeah, i'm that, sure like you obviously weren't aware of what was going on no, at the time like, but like,
1: uh, well in some way maybe you were like like looking back i guess when we we're in it but then now you like look back and you think yeah god that was weird yeah like so there's like when i can't even remember when it
0: was like what,
1: what oh was there was some just some random games like I don't know. Like, I think the most obvious one would be the one against Tigers or something. Yeah, that yeah. one was weird. Like, I just remember some weird moves late in the game, and then they end up winning. It was like, like, why did that happen? Kind yeah. of thing. But there was one where I didn't play, and it was like we played Carlton at Etihad, I think it was, and um, and yeah, I reckon. uh James Frawley was playing on Favola, mm. doing a pretty good job. But then they switched that and Tom McNamara, young like rookie play, rookie backman played on Fev, and Fev ended up kicking like eight or something. And Mark Jamar was a ruckman. I think he was playing forward. He was actually kicking a fair few goals. But like, I don't know, it was just like I look back and I'm like, were they trying to like cause we were down the bottom, like, were they trying to teach him or like I don't know. Like yeah. it's just there's just a lot of instances like that where you're just like questioning moves or decisions, and you'd be like, "What the hell, like?" But anyway, but, I guess like when you're immersed in it at the time, like I I wasn't going out there to lose, and yeah. I know I damn well sure know none of the boys would have nah. been doing that. But you just, I think looking back now with a fresh perspective, you're like, "There's some was weird. weird stuff," yeah. which I think is why the AFL looked right into it and. Um, I think pretty sure the club got heavily sanctioned for it.
0: Yeah, it was weird. That was super weird. It's like such a credit to the Melbourne now to be able to like turn around. Like it's still crazy in my mind, which we'll get into soon, how fucking good oh, your man. club is, which is crazy. Question before that though, I was um speaking to my mate Kate Simpson who it's a bit like yourself, like incredible players stayed, you know, so loyal to clubs and I was talk, talking to him the other day about it and I was like, you know what's crazy is the fact that if – the club was successful at this time. There's so many players along that journey that you've played with hmm. that if the club was successful, they'd be household names and would be these players that would have fit into premiership teams and just played incredible roles, but they yeah. probably didn't get the credit they deserve. Yeah. Does any names, like, beside yourself, well, you're obviously well already well known, but does any players jump out to you going, fuck, this guy was just so good, but never probably got the right time? It was just the wrong place, wrong time at the club.
1: Oh, I think the real good ones either move on or survive kind of thing Mm. um in our case like there's probably this you know i feel most for guys like jack grimes jack trengove probably those two in particular um they'd be the most obvious ones in my own mind just thinking about both their journeys i think jack um Trangove, like obviously the luck with his injury. His foot, yeah. Like he could have been anything with yeah. how good he was early days and, um, and yeah, obviously, yeah, you know, I I didn't really think too much at the time. I felt like, you know, the um, the captaincy was the right decision with him. Like he's he was such a good player, great leader, but then he just gets, um, you know, a terrible injury that sort of influenced his ability to run yeah. and take off and all those kind of things and struggle with it for some time. And Grimesy, on the flip side, just like, yeah, you know, when you're really struggling, it's like you, you sort of never really find your niche. And you know, he was played in a few different roles, and obviously the expectation and pressure of captain. Yeah, you know, I just would have liked to see both those guys get a real good hit at it. Mm. Yeah, you know, there's times where I sort of, and I'm sure a lot of guys that would have got drafted to our club and were sort of in and out, I'm like, fuck, why don't I go there? Kind of thing. Like, yeah, we should have panned out a bit different um you know I, one of my good mates Rowan Bale he was an awesome player as I well like him, yeah. I loved him like and I feel like he would have been a terrific player in another team and there's a fair few guys that similar to him like Matt Jones was another one that we had was showed glimpses but and you know, we were a team that was improving and you know he's a sort of more mature age recruit that period was it sucked and for a lot of the guys yeah. that, um, there's almost like a hole there like I go to the past players stuff and like not many guys come back from that period. it's like like that's a bulk of my career. It's like, you know, there's a f- sort of a group of guys I'm close with from right at the start. And then there's like a period where Yeah, it's fucking hard. There's not many at yeah. all. Um there's a few boys that I'm still really close with, but we were best mates, irrespective of whether we played footy together kind of thing. Um and then you transition into that sort of new era and I was already And that's one thing I really struggled with. I spoke to my wife about this the other night, like, you know, for all the footy disappointment, like, how many of our friends, like, left, went to other teams or were sort of – in the club for a couple of years, you build a great relationship with them and then they're gone. And then like, you know, what it's like when you're on the sort of footy train, you just keep going. It's yeah. like you're living a very different life to what everyone else is and it's like all different times and yeah. different focuses. And
0: yeah. even leaving a club, you think, oh, the boys are going to miss me, man. Yeah, and then man. you're just like, no, they don't. Well, that's <laughs> I like noticed that not long
1: ago. Like I, I did the um, <laughs> Anzac Eve game for Channel 7. It's the first time being back inside the club yeah. and obviously the D's one. I was down the rooms after and I was like, it's so oh, good to just boys, bear yeah. around all the boys but it's like you walk away from that, it's like they're just in their own little bubble Our kind of bubble, thing. Own bubble, man, um, yeah. Oh, for sure. Super
0: switched on, Guy. Like and I, I I knew this and we've chatted a bit about it today but like your per, own personal journey away from footy is something that I'm super interested in now because we've sort of touched on it a bit about like, you know, the, the growth that you've had because of what has been happening been with the Ds. What were some of the best sort of tips or techniques or even just like epiphanies or crucible moments where you were like – that got you through those times and you were like fuck this is what i need to do.
1: Yeah, i think um well, a lot of it came through feedback like initially, you know, i was in a position as captain but felt like i could be even better and a lot of my feedback personally came around like being less intimidating and you know, i guess like
0: as a approachability type thing. Yeah, or- absolutely yeah. like from yeah. other teammates
1: hundred yeah. percent like um <clears throat> which is sort of going back to what I was saying before yeah. like I was my only like that because yeah. it was like black or white for me yeah. like if we want to be good we have to do this kind of thing and if you strayed from that I was like you're not on the, you're not on the train with us kind of thing but you know the more feedback I got around being more approachable and um and I guess letting down my guard a little bit which I think was almost like a bit of a survival mechanism through going through like a fair few years of The pain and struggle that was involved Mm -hmm. in being down the bottom for so long. So yeah, I just uh, I sort of started to take that on board, and just I really opened myself up to, I guess, speaking to people and, um, you know, I guess learning and listening and because I probably I probably underestimated the influence I had on people. Um, I, I like I never really saw it the way they would explain it to me, kind of thing like you don't realize that how much how many people like respect you and look up to you but i would i would always downplay that be like no nah, I, I don't feel that kind of thing but i try to open myself up to that a little bit and um i, I just went on a bit of a journey like i started probably mainly under Ruzi because ruzy yeah. was like probably one of the first coaches where i felt like he really believed in me and it, on the flip side of that he genuinely had empathy for the journey that i'd been through yeah, to right. that point yeah And so he found a way to sort of connect with me on another level as far as like he gained my trust and in turn he really challenged me. And I guess from that moment on was when I really started to go, um, you know, down that path of like trying to be the best version of myself and this wasn't just as a footballer. This was now like as a leader and as a person and as a husband and as a friend and all that kind of stuff and a lot of that was focused around him challenging me about team. Mm. Um, what did he say? Like, what was the conversation? Yeah, you know, like? so it was like, it was a game where, like, obviously at the time, I was like one of our better players coming off two or three best and fairest. Mm. And he challenged me. Like, three best and fairest. He's like, You're going to tag Mark Murphy this weekend. And I was like, And you like, normally that would happen to me, but he was like flipping the um yeah story in my own it's mind a, it's, kind it's of like
0: a hit to the it is a hit to the end, yeah really. like i yeah. was like
1: what like i'm the captain and like one of our best players like why do i have to do that kind of thing but like there was method to that and um and you know i didn't say too much i was just like a bit frustrated by it. but i was like oh I'll fucking show him like i'll be able to do both like i'll stop him and i'll play real well and uh I probably played one of my best games for the year, that game. I think I had like 30 and kicked one and kept Murph to like under 20 touches and they were like wrapped like and I sort of downplayed it at the start but then the more I thought about it, I'm like I could see exactly what he's doing like and it it took me as the captain to be able to sort of show an element of vulnerability and challenge myself in a way that I haven't normally been challenged before to, mm. to sort of open myself up to the rest of the team to sort of come on board. And and once I sort of understood that message, we, we sort of broke it down in review on the, on the Monday. I was like, why'd you do that to me kind of thing? Yeah. And we sort of went through it. And the more I was like, yeah, I, I get it kind of thing. Um, and it was like a real shift in my mentality. Like I was super driven personally. But now it was like a new drive for me to not only play super well myself but bring other guys along um, and and you know, sort of show them the way kind of thing. And uh, I guess from that moment on was like, all right, then I I need to listen to the feedback I'm getting from my teammates. I need to be more vulnerable. I need to be more open, more approachable. And I just worked worked on that like – in some cases, early days, is was maybe a little bit awkward, you know, putting myself up in front of the group or speaking up more or you know, I guess reaching outside of my own little bubble or friendship group. To, mm. But, yeah, it was uh, super beneficial as far as, I guess, you know, helping develop the direction of culturally where we wanted to go as a team and a club. Um, and, yeah, I just sort of found people along the way that helped me. I hooked in with the... Um, a couple of guys and worked a lot on sort of, uh, this is sort of back on my own sort of self, um, development stuff. Like, uh, worked a lot on understanding my own intuition kind of thing and just like listening to my own inner voice, Mm. which was cool. Cause what's that? What's What do you mean by that? Like like sort of through like, uh, like taking a breath in a moment and just like really sitting with it and like, and, uh, and like. I guess, trusting your self kind of thing. Mm. Um, And like if I was to sort of tie it into where my mentality was through those tough years, it was like my self-worth was linked to results and no matter whether I achieved or the team achieved, like that never really brought me any sort of fulfillment. And then going through this process, it was like I no longer sort of linked it to that, like I, I had a new sort of, perspective on things um, I saw things in a different light kind of thing and um, I guess that's probably what helped me had I not gone through that journey and then I fast forward to what happened in the last 12 months mm. I sort of think back and like you know if I had have hadn't have had that sort of emotional intelligence that I had worked on over you know three or four years prior I would hate to have seen sort of how I handled the situation in the past, but I guess that's the progression of my own sort of development. And, um, you yeah, know, that was important for me, particularly as a leader of the footy club to take that journey. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty grateful for it because it, it didn't only impact my footy career and probably extended it to a certain degree. Yeah,
0: um, I was just about to say that because I think just on that point, I, when you say like how you would have handled last year, I don't reckon if you had have changed it, you probably wouldn't have been playing footy. Cause nah. like, I know I was a little fuck with like, yeah. uh, when I was playing and it took me to like lose it. Yeah, to, man. To wake up. So yeah. You probably would have finished two, three years earlier. I ha- 100%.
1: Yeah. And I think that's like I sat down, that's what I was saying before, I sat down with one of the guys that I caught up with was a big wave surfer, um, Mark Visser. I just got a, he was a hookup sort of through the club. He'd done a little bit of stuff. He, did, he runs like courses on breathing and um, and a lot of this sort of mental skills kind of stuff. Um, And I spent some time with him and, yeah, he – and we clicked because of the common interest with surfing and – but, yeah, I just spent a lot of time with him really sort of diving into it like way beyond what he would sort of workshop with the group and and wanted to like understand it really well from my own perspective and like break down why I sort of thought certain ways and what I attached to different emotions and that mm. kind of thing, which is kind of cool because like, – I really got to understand myself, particularly in different situations and how I react to certain things and like why I bite or snap or, and yeah, like, as I said, you know, it helped me with my leadership and, um, you know, as far as becoming more approachable and and it's funny, I almost went full circle because then that feedback was like, um, you know, towards the back end of my career was, you know, the time and effort I spend with all the younger boys and the relationships I have with them and. And I was like, and that gave me so much joy. Um, And when I was about sort of 30, I started to think, you know, my career may be coming towards an end. I need to sort of widen my perspective on life and things and had a couple of kids at that point. And so I sort of like felt like I'd mellowed out a bit from being sort of that young and super driven and just kind of sharp edged young fella. Mm. And I got some great advice from, uh, I sat down with um, Chris Judd one day and he was like, I think, uh, you know, one of the great things he did, you know, in the back of a couple of years of his career was like invest heaps in other people and it was like that time. the timing of that came perfectly with like sort of all the stuff I was kind of going through. So I really invested into that and um, it was just so surprising that, you know, the more you did that, you know, the more mm. you kind of got back in return for sure.
0: Love it. Listen to this. I don't, I'm sure you – I'm not sure if you've heard this. Max Gorn was on the Imperfects. Have you listened to these? I haven't listened to it okay. yet. Okay. Interesting. Very good. That's great for us. I want to play your clip that he said about you.
2: Like, we're asking Nathan Jones, was going to miss out on a grand final, yep. to go teach Tom Sparrow what Nathan Jones has learnt throughout his career, even though Tom Sparrow's taken your spot in the grand final. Oh, I didn't know that. Was that really. But what... That's what football clubs are. If yeah. you're an older player, you're expected to teach the younger player everything you know about the game and craft them to be a better player. I mean, so okay. I've got a young ruck now, Luke Jackson, who is already a better player than me. It's phenomenal. Well, I don't know about that, but he's very, very good. <laughs> and I'm and I'm trying to teach him everything I can, knowing full well that he will then take my spot. And it's – I mean, sure, it happens in most industries as well. Well, but, not, well yeah. Not, not, not explicitly like that. No. And it's public as well. So mm. people watch it happening. I mean, the Nathan Jones situation, for those of you who don't follow football, club legend 300 games, he's been through the – the, through the toughest of times with the demons and it was almost like the biggest fairy tale was for him to play in the grand final but he wasn't picked i spent so much time during the grand final thinking about him mm. like i just couldn't help it and i and i know and i do know him which is like adds a bit to that but i but i but i was like this is mm. i mean every interview he does of course he's so happy but he must be heartbroken must be absolutely heartbreaking. He, he would have had to bite his tongue for the first four or five weeks. Um, he's a he's great great friend of mine as well, but it shows the caliber of a man to be able to teach someone your tricks and be fully supportive of them. And they've taken your spot after you've played 300 games with one of the most unsuccessful teams of all time, mm-hmm. Melbourne from 2006 to 2018. How's that sit?
1: Well, yeah, that's basically what happened, really, mm. um, for sure. Uh, yeah, you know, once when I stepped away from being captain, end of 2000 and what? Nine, uh, yeah, end of 2019. So we played 18, prelim. That was an unreal year. Sort of uh, out of nowhere, we just got on this epic role and played a couple of finals. Some of the best moments and best times I've had playing footy ever. Um, and I still remember. Seeing Sweet Caroline was like our uh, sort of team anthem. And after every win, we'd, like, sing it in the rooms, like, full-on bellow it out. Like, it was so good. And obviously I remember the moments, like, kicking that goal against Geelong was, like, mm. almost, like, signified. You know, for me, that was, like, that, was, that typified my dream of, like, what I had hoped we could one day get back to. And it, that was irrespective of whether we won the premiership or not. But it was just, like playing a final twelve years after I'd played in my last final, but to see the G going off tap with mm. Melbourne supporters, that believe in us again kind of thing. That like that's all that's what I had dreamt about for so long. That got me through so many dark days kind of thing. It's why I got out of bed and, you know, dragged my ass through some of that tough time. Yeah, when I, when I stepped away from the captaincy, I, th- I think that's like, and that sort of goes back to the discussion I was telling you before with Chaddy about the sort of investing in others. Because um, I knew I was like at that point, like I'm 30-ish. I can't remember. Yeah, I would have been 30. And I was like, how am I? Like I need to find ways. I can't just keep doing the same thing over mm-hmm. and over again. Like it's got me this far, but I don't think if I keep doing it, it's going to get me much further. And that's where that's that whole sort of, you know, mental skills, self-development, you know, investment in others, giving rather than taking kind of mentality came into it and, um, and there was a huge um, element of like vulnerability within all that and uh, and I sort of half knew that, you know, it may or may not happen for me and, you know, after 18 and then the disappointment of 9 where we've gone from a prelim to finishing second bottom mm. – I was like, maybe this is never going to happen kind of thing. Like, And I knew there was going to be an element of a build back because, like, if we were going to go on, we should have gone on with it in 18. But we dropped the ball a little bit, bumbled around for a couple of years. But um, I guess my mentality really shifted into trying to fast track all of these young guys that we had. Like, there's so many talented guys, like, because if they get better, we might um, – like I might get one more shot at yeah. playing finals kind of thing. And, uh, and that was like – that was my goal really was like yeah. to try and impart as much of my leadership and experience on those young guys, get really involved because I wasn't involved in the leadership group stuff anymore, which was a weight off my shoulders, was get involved in trying to foster their development and growth.
0: You know what I love about this and I hope this makes sense and it sort of makes sense to me. I was like listening to something the other day, I was talking about bravery and I was saying, like, bravery isn't actually being scared of something. Like, bravery is being scared and then do and still doing yeah. it. Yeah. And I think, like, in reference to that, is you being a good bloke in this situation isn't just about you being a good bloke. It's actually you wanting it so bad that you do. But then you still be a good bloke. Yeah. yeah. Well.
1: I've seen that exact scenario yeah. happen before. And it's a bit like what Max was saying. For me, it was like, you know, I spoke a lot to goody to like once I gave away the captaincy around like what legacy could I leave like whether or not I I um you know play in a premiership or not mm. or we play finals again or not and this is sort of going back to 2000 and end of 2019 I sort of went back to when I last signed like a long-term deal under Rusey. when I was in that first year's cap captain on my own I signed four years and I had already had a year so it was like a five-year commitment I was like I may never play in a premiership. But the one thing I want is for no one that comes into this club to ever go back through a period like we had yeah. for majority of my career because I've just seen so many guys come and go and not many of us survived. And I was like, that's not how your AFL career and dream should go kind of thing. So if I wasn't to win a winner flag, at least the club would hopefully be in a better place and if I could influence that in any way, yeah. like that was my goal kind of thing. That's practically how it panned
0: out, really. That's <laughs> awesome. Yeah. I hope I nailed my point earlier because I was meaning as well, like exactly what you're saying then, but it's all well and good to want the best for your teammates, and that's great. But I think it's more powerful, like actually still wanting to play yourself, being dogged about it, but then still helping them.
1: Oh, yeah. Like, don't worry. I was got, doing that yeah, hardcore exactly. training.
0: That's, that's what you're doing. Like, it like, was, um, you know, it's not saying that you're just there to help them. Like, you're yeah. still going, no, fuck you. I'll oh, still yeah. take your spot. Like Oh, 100%. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm going to help you as well.
1: Yeah, for sure. But we knew, like, we fostered that um, within the footy club, like, for sure. Like, um, you know, we spoke a lot in that premiership year of, like, it ain't the 22 on the field. It's actually the the 44 guys on the list. And there was a huge amount of, like, competitive, um, Mm. like, training and match play and it got heated at times. And I was at the forefront of that for sure because I was fighting for my career kind of thing. Mm. But that didn't mean that once that was said and done, I couldn't sit down and review or like training ended and I can help you with some technical stuff or we can have a chat about like what your aspirations are or some advice on leadership, like any of that kind of stuff. Like you're always open to that and I think finding that balance is so important. That's why Melbourne are so good right now. Like Mm. culturally they've just got this, Like it's dog-eat-dog internally as far as like it's hard to get a spot in the 22 and I guarantee every training session is like ultra competitive with guys wanting to, you know, put their case forward. But they're doing it for the right reasons Um, and they've got such a depth of talent that it's just driving the level and that's why it's hard to see, you know, many teams beating
0: them. Yeah, and that's why I love.
1: It's the magic though that all the best teams have and it's like um, how do you harness that? I don't know. Yeah, I, don't, I, don't I think, think like, I think
0: footy's the I, I, I think it's the biggest myth in the world. Yeah. Some shit. Like people are like you have to have this, you have to have that. It's like you know what? You just need to do it, and then it just works. Like there's no formula. Yeah. There's honestly, no formula. No. At all. If, you, if people say they do know the formula, they're absolutely <laughs> lying. I think one thing just on on your point though, like as as a Melbourne, as one thing I'd love to get across today is like that I'm so impressed with is like you've gone, like look at how you've grown. Your trajectory of your growth has been melbourne's trajectory of their growth and whether that's your impact on melbourne or melbourne's impact on you you've grown together Mm. you've both been that pig-headed at the start going fuck you it's my way the highway you've changed your mindset and you've put that through the leadership and then that's changed the club's outlook on things so like your your impact not even in the finals but i think like the five years six years before is probably one of the most underrated things on that journey. Yeah. I, don't um, know. I appreciate that. Which is huge. <laughs> it is. It's really big because it's like you, you're being here now saying you weren't actually the, as good as you should have been early days with it and that's where the club was at too. Yeah. It's all good, well and good saying like the good parts now but there's so much happened before it, yeah. which is exciting. And that's what I like to, to look at anyway. It's so mm-hmm. cool. Really cool. What was it like watching the granny? I know it obviously tough but yeah. happy.
1: On- um. Oh, yeah, for sure. I said, <laughs> no, said, no. said this publicly <laughs> like – um. Oh, it had been a big week or two. Like, um, like leaving Perth. Was
0: it close? How, sorry, just on that. Like, how close was it to actually happening? Was it? Was there any discussion? Oh,
1: it? like, like my form had been unreal. To be honest, like, yeah. you know, I probably played some of the best footy I played in a few years. But that sort of coincided with the team just playing, playing, so playing well, really well. well. Yeah, um, and spots were tight, and. You know, obviously it's, you know, it's subjective to sort of coaches and roles and all that kind of thing. And that's just how, that's the way the game works kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I sort of look at it as like right place, wrong time kind of thing for me yeah. personally. But at least I can walk away and know I gave, my, gave absolutely everything. Like the time I put into the season was like, Huge, mm. particularly the preseason, because I sort of knew when I signed on for that one year. I thought we could be good. We'd done a s- extensive review of the footy department. We were on our way in 2020, but if we got a few things right, I was like, I was super optimistic. Like probably the most I had been. I was like, I reckon we can turn this around real mm. quickly. There's just something about it, like that's there's a smell about it being good, um, and that was all through that sort of COVID hub period, and we were we. We progressed a bit that season and I put so much time into my diet, my body, and ended up playing the first seven games a year, my 300th, which I was sort of real, you know, grateful for because it was like almost uh, I guess for all the time and effort that no one saw, um, I, felt, I really felt like I earned those games. Yeah. And for yeah. a change in direction up post that where, you know, structurally they – my position kind of got soaked up a little bit and, you know, I sort of had to go back to the drawing board and we had a discussion about going back to just playing as a midfielder because I sort of been playing as a – I'd been filling holes within the team but that left me vulnerable. And I played yeah, – as I said, I played some of the best footy I'd played and I was on the cusp of being back in and I strained my calf like round 16 it was I reckon. I, I was sub and went and played VFL the next day and played like – Probably the best game I played in three years, fuck. but I strained my calf in the second quarter. I wasn't one hundred percent sure I'd done it, but I played the game out and then tried to train main training that week, and Bang. it was no good. Yeah, so that cost me, and uh, to about round eighteen or nineteen, I think it was. So three or four, three or four weeks, I reckon. And then <clears throat> I was emergency with my form, but you know, you look back at that was COVID started to come back, so we weren't. VFL season was finished. We were yeah. playing like these random games, like 15v15 15 15 on like smaller fields and stuff, but I was still playing out of my skin. It was super high quality as well. Like you can imagine like 15v15, 15 15, it's like a soccer game of like Would you AFL. Have, still those games players, are hard. they were They're hard, harder man. than AFL games. They yeah. were hard. Um, and I'd have been emergency for all the way up until the – I was emergency all the way to, from that point. Once I got back and had played a couple of games, so sort of around – 19, 20, 2021 first two finals I'd been emergency. Yep. Um and yeah, I I knew that my like as that wore on and no one sort of got injured and just the quality of footy we were actually playing I I was pretty aware that of where it all kind of sat, you know. And yeah, we got to the prelim and then <laughs> I'm sitting in the stand, I'd, I'd warmed up as a as an emergency again and well that was just something else like that. Like, much like the granny really like they could not have put a foot wrong yeah. and maxi put on an absolute That was fu- that was I was like was I, I remember just, we were all in like a private box and all of the boys were just <laughs> losing what like, every I mean, just- goal he kicked we were just like oh my god like yeah just erupting um and yeah so the siren went and um I I knew really like mm. I probably knew it at half time to be honest I was yeah. like well, unless someone gets hurt I've got a pretty big decision to make in the next like 24 hours Mm. because sort of running parallel to that was like we've been away for three weeks. My wife's 35 weeks pregnant and for probably 10 days prior to the prelim, she'd actually been in hospital here in Melbourne. Obviously COVID lockdown, we've got another Mm. two kids. She can't leave the hospital. Like it's all heading towards babies are on their way and, you know, she needed to be monitored kind of thing. So I knew that I was like, I'm going to have to make a call after tonight. So I was like, I'll just celebrate with the boys and have a few beers and um, like there's a two-week break to the granny. I'll wake up in the morning and just see if, what what happens out of injury clinic. Yeah. But I knew no one was injured. Yeah. And I, always, I was like thinking in my own head as well like I don't want anyone to be injured, you no, know, like yeah. imagine getting this far and hurting yourself. Like I feel for like – and it's like funny. Like obviously my story is linked just through the history but there's so many guys that – could have been playing in our side. Like Mm. there's probably five or six of us that were playing good enough to be in the team, but we were just going that well. And someone like a Jaden Hunt plays most of the year and does his uh, syndesmosis, I think it might have been, his ankle like a game or two before the granny. So, yeah, um, I sort of had a few beers and wines that night and contemplated everything and woke up in the morning hung over as hell because i I knew where it was heading (laughs) i knew where it was heading up i um i reckon i got i i couldn't get to sleep i got to sleep at like i reckon 5 a.m and my wife called me at eight like i need an answer like shit's escalating yeah and i'm like i was a bit frazzled because i was still half asleep (laughs) i'm like what do you mean what's going on what's going on like and she's like i need a fucking answer i was like all right i was like I haven't heard that tone yet, and like shit must be escalating. And (laughs) yeah, like I knew, I knew in my, and knew inside, like going back to that trust in my intuition, I was just like, I've got to make the call, I'm going to go home. Like, realistically, I don't think the chance of me playing is there. And if I was to play it, someone's going to get injured in the next two weeks for me to get a game. And I don't want that to happen. And I'm not going to stay here and miss the granny and miss the birth of the twins. Yeah. So, yeah, I just – I made the decision like um, I knew what the lay of the land looked like for me personally from a footy perspective and I put my family first and got on a flight that afternoon. Like it all happened so fast, man, like packed all my shit up from three weeks of being in Perth, like was all over the room in like half an hour, COVID test, flight. Yeah, you forget that barely got got to see anyone either, which sucked because I knew what was coming. Like I know I was leaving Perth. But I'm also leaving and this is it. Like yeah, my, yeah. Get, my career's done. Yeah. Even though I hadn't said that to anyone, like yeah. I knew inside, which became quite emotional when I was leaving because I was just like, fuck, this is it. Like I'm walking away from 16 years. Like it's not just missing the granny, which was killing me yeah. anyway. I was like, I'll never play AFL footy again kind of thing, which was hard. And then, yeah, I jumped on the plane, got delayed. Thank, <laughs> thankfully I got a COVID test. And I was like, Jerry, I'll be, I'll be sweet. I'm on my way home. I'll see you in the morning. I uh, ended up, as I said, got delayed and fuck, got back to Melbourne. Finally got to the jet base, got my car, got home, got in bed, seen, seen my other two kids. I hadn't seen them in like three and a half weeks. And I got a phone call at 5 a.m. Babies were due to come Monday, like scheduled caesarean. Got a phone call at 5 a.m. So I've got in bed at 12 30, 5 a.m. phone call. You gotta to come to the hospital oh right cow. now from the nurse. I'm like, is this? hello. And uh yeah, so I got up, quick shower straight in. Babies were born at 7 a.m. Fucking hell. That's- so I've made it home by like, I don't know, six hours. That's or so. that
0: whole like intuition thing. Yeah, like, man. Go. I was
1: like, fuck, thankfully, yeah. I made that call. Like I said to Jerry, once the babies were born, I was like, I'm so fucking what a good, grateful yeah, I'm here. Understand. Like I would it would have sucked if I had been like up in the air about the decision and then I'm sitting in a hotel room Do in Perth both. and I'm like I've missed both yeah um, so yeah I'm, I am was super pumped about that and um, that was a fun sort of first week and then I had to go through the whole I was like I'm going to retire and then it sucked because it's like lockdown Melbourne yeah. <laughs> I'm like how am I going to fucking retire so like I'm sitting in my bedroom You're Zoom. I'm sitting in my bedroom yeah. at home with my my phone on a tripod <laughs> I can't even see everyone. Like I'm just talking to the camera on my phone. I think like I had the phone facing so I could see my screen and I could see a little box and like the whole club's in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's but you like it's just so it lacks so much connection because it's like you can't see anyone, yeah. you can't hear I couldn't hear anyone. I could hear the odd laugh and stuff, but then yeah. I, like you wrap the speech up and like All right, see so you like yeah. boys? <laughs> um, that was awkward, but I think from that moment it was like I could take a bit of a breath. Yeah. Um, I had like another week to just enjoy family time before the game, but I knew I'd find the game like tough, which, you know, I was super pumped for the boys and f- particularly for a lot of my, like Maxi, who I've known and, you know, played big role in um, and he's one of my great mates. I was fucking over the moon for him. I was equally as devastated for like someone like Jake Malksham who's one of my best mates yeah. and he's in a similar position to me. Um, and, he, you know, he's away from his family and he's going to go through and you put all those boys that didn't play, you know, there's an element of them putting on a brave face because they're missing out on their childhood dream. But you're also super wrapped for the team because there's just so much time and effort we all put in to to be good. Mm. And we finally get a chance as a club and as an organisation and as a group of players. So we all contributed to it. There's no doubt about that. Uh, so that's what we adopted, what I was telling you before, about look, it's not going to take 22 it'll take 44 of us to win a flag. And you hear that quite commonly from a lot of teams that win premierships. But yeah, I just sat on the couch, man, my baby's in bed, about fucking 12 beers. <laughs> and uh, I was a bit nervous at halftime. I was like, Fuck. Oh, yeah. Like, like d- when the Bont yeah. kicked a few. Yeah. Um, a cu- Johannesson couple, did he kick one? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I can't remember. But um, I was like, fuck. But I'd, all, I'd always thought, like, I was messaging a few boys that were over in the ground in the in the players' box. And, um, like, it sort of the grand final typified what Melbourne had done all year, really, yeah. just to a whole new level. Like, we'd always been a team that sort of hung in, teams hung with us, and then we just grind away and bang, find a way to win. But they did that and some in the granny and, Yeah. The boys in the middle, in particular, track. Yeah, crazy. Track and Clary, and man, it's hard. Like I, I, one thing I do enjoy is just sitting back and admiring them. Like their development, like I've seen them firsthand from the moment they walked in, all the way to now. And like both of them, or there's a few of them. Like, did you
0: think that'd be as good as they are?
1: Oh, they always had. Like Clary came on a lot quicker than Track. Yeah. Track sort of. so a little bit of inconsistency, but man, once he found his way as far as like standards and you know his level as far as training and his body and I think a blessing in disguise was him doing his knee because it's yeah. like forced him to be. I think he said that ultra actually, professional, yeah. 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 And off the back of that, man, he was like unstoppable. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's all those boys are like Maxi and even they're like. there's so many stars in that team, man. Like I guess what I I look back now and I was super wrapped. um, As soon as the siren went, I was like, fuck, we've done it. Like and I sat at home like supporting like a supporter, not like a teammate. Mm. like, fucking go. Like particularly when we got a bit of a run on, we're coming back. And then once it's all over, I'm like, fuck, they've done it. Wow. And I didn't really consider my own sort of situation to probably you know, I'd taken a few phone calls, Facetime a few boys and then I was just sitting on the couch in the lounge room and I was just like, fuck, so close but so far, like, mm. it's done and I've just, like, it's like a year too late kind mm. of thing, um, which was tough, man. Like, it, I probably, from that moment on, I went down for probably a few weeks, I reckon, like, because I'd done, like, a heap of media leading up to it and, I genuinely was super proud and stoked for our supporters and, you know, everyone that had been there through all of the shit Mm. to finally see the club back in the position it was in. And as I mentioned before, you know, like all my teammates, like they're living their dream kind of thing. How can you not be fucking stoked for them? Like I saw all the effort they put in. I was there helping them along the way kind of thing. So I was fucking amped for and hoping they could get the job done. But yeah, it was a few hours after the game where I started to just think of my own situation, which was tough. I, and it hit me real hard, like a lot harder than probably what I anticipated. Because
0: it wears off. Yeah, like, like the the. Well, the I was sort of like and sort the hype wears off, and then you start internalizing. Yeah, it, you know, absolutely.
1: Like, like I, like for all of that, as you mentioned, like all of the hype, and I guess that the position I wanted to take as far as like my own messaging is yeah. like. I still felt responsibility to be, you know, a leader for the club kind of thing. But when all of that responsibility was shed and I just sat on my own in my lounge room, I was just like, that was the time where it just, my whole head was like full on spinning. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it was a, it probably took me a few weeks, I reckon. I know it's like a rollercoaster of emotion. Like I was super happy talk to guys on the phone. Then like an hour later, I'd be fucking devastated, like, fuck yeah um that's another reason why I did that Ironman because it was like if I keep going this way off the back of like how I feel right now like and I don't have any routine and I'm planning on taking some time off like where does this sort of go like um and I didn't want to like spiral down into feeling real depressed about it because like I wasn't but you know I was also taking it pretty hard so yeah It was basically probably two conversations, really. I've been mentored by Jared Healy for a lot of my career and um, I spoke to him on the phone uh, a couple of weeks after and he was like, mate, you've just got to look at it like, you know, football's like a chapter of your life, like it's not who you are and like you close that chapter and now you have an opportunity to write a new one irrespective of like what you achieved and all that kind of stuff and, you know, it is that is what it is kind of thing now, like. Go on the next journey. Don't let that sort of define you. Um, and don't live looking in the rearview mirror, mirror your whole life kind of thing. And the more I thought about that, I was like, yeah, he's fucking right, like for sure. And then my wife sent me, I actually pulled it up cause I thought you'd ask me about it. She sent me a um, like a thing on Insta. It was a quote from Maya Angelou. And she said, I've learned that people will forget what you said people will forget what you did but people will never forget how you made them feel Mm. and like the more I thought about that I was like fuck that's so true like the messages of um the messages when I retired and post game were a lot from like the younger boys that I'd had a real impact on and this like all came full circle to like the changes that I made and the journey that I kind of went on and then it was like for a bit of a period I like try to close myself off to that like I was like nah I was like super stubborn I was like going back to that old me of like my self-worth was attached to not winning a flag but then I had like all of this fucking love over here for like you know I guess my efforts and my career and what I meant to people but I would just push it away kind of thing and it wasn't until she sort of mentioned that that and a few good friends of mine were like, mate, you need to like open yourself up to that. But I was like, all right, I'm gonna like stake in the ground. It is what it is, I missed out. So be it, I'm just gonna fucking open myself up to the love kind of thing. And um, and yeah, that was like probably the most important moment where I was like, I appreciated my career for what I did and the journey that I'd been on and the you know how it had sort of shaped me as a person. And yes, I didn't win a premiership, but I think I finally found that ultimate fulfillment that I was talking about before came in the way I made people feel, whether that be our supporters, teammates, anyone sort of that I met along the journey that actually got to know me and understand who I was, that they'll sort of always remember the impact or influence that you had on them. And I was like, that's what, that's what means the most to me irrespective of whether I have a fucking premiership medallion or, or you know, I played in the game or not, like I, I've found what my fulfilment is kind of thing. That's my journey. Um, and and then ultimately, like up since then, i have like shifting my mindset out of that few weeks of struggle and feeling sorry for myself almost. Man, life, life is good.
0: That's awesome, man. I, I just love everything you've said there like i love the fact that sometimes and i, I don't know what your thoughts are on this but sometimes when like the the, the bad shit happens we learn so much more from it. we end up being better in the long yeah. run versus like imagine this perspective like this incredible perspective that you've got now if you win the flag you probably don't have that
1: nah i i actually so that's like you sound like i swear i've heard that before it's like yeah. deja vu i reckon my wife said something real similar to me mm. and i was like so true like
0: you're probably not as like a wounded person
1: yeah 100% like and that sort of comes back to that it's like the old adage of people like you know they're, they're struggling and they're you know they're facing difficult times and it's like I'm gonna buy a new car or yeah it's the same sort of thing like I was fueling myself in completely the wrong way kind of thing and I think through my whole journey, it's like, it's not even about that. It's more about the connections and how you made people feel. And that actually was the thing that brought me fulfillment and allowed me to move forward. Whereas like, if you win a flag, it's like, what's the next thing kind of thing. Whereas I almost felt like I could just be like, that's me, this is my career. And now I'm going to start a whole new journey and I can't wait kind of thing without any sort of, I wasn't looking back in the rear view. I was now like, all right, let's go kind of thing, like took on the Ironman and um, and that was one good way to sort of take my mind off it, new challenge, new focus and that sort of helped me take the steps through that next phase and I got to January and uh, I wasn't taking 12 months off anymore. <laughs> I took a fair few new opportunities that sort of came up and, um, and yeah, now I'm pretty bloody happy. Like, I've got a lot going on and, yeah, you know, I think I took the advice that Jared gave me around like rewriting the next chapter mm. rather than like forever looking in the rear view
0: Mate, that's uh, incredible. It really is. um I thank you for being so open and like I seriously forgot we've been doing a podcast, and I was just <laughs> like listening to it because I, I it's a it's a message that I need to hear at the moment mm. too, and it's one of those things that I found it's like as much as you sometimes think back like before when you you say you have that that pivotal moment when you're playing you think oh, I've worked it out, this is what it is. Mm. But you can consider like a year later you forget it and then it comes back. Like, yeah. It's not something you learn once and it's just there. Like, And I find that a lot sometimes I have these conversations and this one today is really like just I needed to hear exactly <laughs> that at the right time. Because like I'm always thinking, fuck, I, I need to learn this stuff. I need to be more grateful for this. I'm like, but fuck, I thought I knew that. And <laughs> yeah. then you just like you just keep yeah, learning yeah. it. You, that's know? Like you just
1: got to be super conscious of it. Yeah. Like that's uh, that's the one thing I learned. Like that goes back to that intuition stuff and like just opening your perspective up. Cause a lot of life you just like got the blinkers on like mm. I'm going this way and you almost like block out a lot of, you know, important information that can, you know, shape a new view or, you know, widen your perspective. And yeah, I'm s I am i am real in the end I look back and I'm, I'm real grateful for all those challenges. Yeah. I try to climb the peak and get to the top of the mountain. Um, in a sense, I I did. You know, I don't have the premiership to show for it, but you know, I um, you know, I feel like I'm in a super happy position, and you know, I have the fulfilment inside, which is what i had been chasing for so long.
0: Yeah. Oh, mate. It's I I couldn't have asked to, or even got that story any better. Like that was unbelievable the way yeah you've worked that out, and it's not about the grand final. Like it's nearly turned out better in the Mm. long run for you personally. Mm. Like, yeah, it's awesome, man. I really, really appreciate it. Like I think um, without getting too deep on it, like you're an incredible person. Story today has been unbelievable. Your own personal journey is even more um, exciting than your football one. And, um, mate, you just credit to yourself. Just so honoured to have you on the, on the podcast. Thanks, podcast. Um, I'm so excited to see what happens next with you. It's going to be very, very <laughs> oh, no, good man, things. I'm busy,
1: huh? I we'll yeah. four kids. Yeah. Even if you want me to I-
0: teach you how to run, there, <laughs> <I'm>, I, can, <laughs> no. I can do that. I've got you car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what's next?
1: What's next? Oh, man, I'm super busy right now. Do you now. want to get back into footy? Nah, no,
0: nah, neither. Not really. <laughs> not that I'm getting any. Oh, I'll points, play the Carlton draft like, game. Yeah, Carlton yeah. draft game. Will port be fun. Arlington. Port Arlington. Get down to port, port Arlington, that's a,
1: Demons. Uh, It'll
0: be t- July, early July. Yeah, I'm going to come down to that because that's my uncle Jeff Miles. Yeah, coaching. that'll be good fun.
1: Yeah, I should. Um, I won't have to strap on the boots with you. <laughs> you should actually. Can you? No. Um, <laughs> that'll be. I'm looking forward to that. That'll <laughs> be fun. That's been a fun um, kind of thing to be a part yeah. of, and yeah, no, nah, not much, man. I'm super busy with the kids. Yeah, kids are like take up. All my time, yeah. which is epic. My son's like right into footy now, which is cool. And yeah, like school drop off, go to work. <laughs> man, I'm just living the normal good, like yeah. dad life. Um, it's good times.
0: Awesome, brother. Thank you so much. Honoured to meet you um, officially. Thanks, brother. We're we your friends now?
1: <laughs> 100.
0: Okay, I love it. <laughs> Thanks, brother. Cheers, man. Thanks for listening to the Dylan Friends Podcast. If you like the show, it'd be a massive help if you could like, follow, rate, leave a review, or even share with your friends. If you'd like to get in touch or suggest a guest or advertise with the Dylan Friends podcast, please email us at inquiries at dylanfriends.com. Thanks so much for tuning in. Easter, four days of outdoor adventures, work in the garage or doing stuff around the home or even in the garden. You gotta love that. Bring on the jobs and pile them up. 101 long weekend jobs ready to tackle. You could be in the outdoors, putting your four-wheel drive to the test, tearing down an internal war or maybe putting a new one up, or even repurposing an old wine barrel for an outdoor table. Whatever the task over Easter, Trojan Tools are up for the job. Trojan Tools. Quality tools at DIY prices, backed by a lifetime warranty. Available in-store or online at Bunnings Warehouse. Trojan. Tools built tough.